0: Part 4 of The Song of Hugh Glass by John Nyhart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nathan at antipodeanwriter.wordpress.com. The Song of Hugh Glass by John Nyhart. Part 4. The Return of the Ghost not long you let the lust of vengeance gnaw upon him idling though the tale he told and what report proclaimed him were as gold to buy a winter's comfort at the post i cannot rest for i am but the ghost of some one murdered by a friend he said so long as yonder traitor thinks me dead I, buried in the bellies of the crows and coyotes whereupon said one of those who heard him noting how the old man shook as with a chill god fend that one should look with such a blizzard of a face for me for he went greyer, like a poplar tree that shivers ruffling to the first faint breath of storm while yet the world is still as death save where far off the kennelled thunder's bay so brooding he grew stronger day by day until at last he laid the crutches by and then one evening came a rousing cry from where the year's last keelboat hove in view around the bend its swarthy sweating crew slant to the shouldered line men sang that night in kiowaw and by the ruddy light of leaping fires amid the wooden walls the cups went round and there were merry brawls of bearded lads no older for the beard and laughing stories vied with tales of weird by stream and prairie trail and mountain pass until the tipsy bourgeois bawled for glass to shame these with a man's tale fit to hear the greybeard, sitting where the light was blear with little heart for revelry began his story told as of another man who loving late loved much and was betrayed he spoke unwitting how his passion played upon them how their eyes grew soft or hard with what he told yet something of the bard he seemed in his the purpose that is arts whereby men make a vintage their hearts and with the wine of beauty deaden pain, low toned insistent as October rain. His voice beat on, and now and then would flit across the melancholy gray of it a, a glimmer g- of cold fire that, like the flare of soundless lightning, showed a world made bare, green summer slain, and all its leafage stripped. And bronze jaws tightened, brawny hands were gripped as though each hearer had a fickle friend. But when the old man might have made an end rounding the story to a peaceful close at Guyawall, song-like. His voice arose, the grinning grey mask lifted, and the eyes burned as a bard's who sees and prophesies, conning the future as a time long gone. Swaying to rhythm, the dizzy tale plunged on even to the cutting of the traitor's throat and ceased, as though a bloody strangling, smote the voice of that grey chanter, drunk with doom, and there was shuddering. In the blue smeared gloom of fallen fires, it seemed the deed was done before their eyes. Who heard? The morrow's sun lay over leagues of frost enchanted plain. Saw glass upon his pilgrimage again, north bound as hunter for the keelboat's crew, and many times the wide autumnal blue burned out and darkened to a deep of stars and still they toiled among the snags and bars those lean upstream men straining at the rope lashed by the doubt and strengthened by the hope of backward winter engines wrought of bone and muscle panting for the Yellowstone bend after bend and yet more bends away now was the river like a sandy bay at ebb tide, and the far-off cut-banks boom mocked them in shallows now twas like a flume with which the toilers, barely creeping, strove, and, bend by bend, the selfsame poplar grove, set on the selfsame headland, so it seemed, confronted them, as though they merely dreamed of passing one drear point. So on and up, past where the tawny titan gulps the cup of cane waters, past the morrow's mouth, and still wry league and stubborn league fell south, becoming haze and weary memory, then past the empty lodges of the ree that gaped at cornfields, plundered by the Sioux, and their old times came mightily on Hugh, for much of him was born and buried there. Some troubled glory of that wind-tossed hair was on the trampled corn. The lonely skies, so haunted with the blue of Jamie's eyes, seemed taunting him, and through the frosted wood along the flat, where once their tent had stood a chill wind sorrowed, and the blackbirds brawl amid the funeral torches of the fall, ran raucously a desecrating din past where the cannon-ball and heart came in they labored now the northwest woke at last the gaunt bluffs bellowed back the trumpet-blast of charging winds that made the sandbars smoke to breathe now was to gulp fine sand and choke the stinging air was sibilant with whips leaning the moor and with the firmer grips still northward the embattled toilers pressed to where the river yaws into the west there stood the mandan village Now began the chaining of the titan. Drift-ice ran. The winged hounds of winter ceased to bay. The stupor of a doom completed lay upon the world. The biting darkness fell. Out in the night, resounding as a well, they heard the deck-planks popping in a vice of frost. All night the smithies of the ice re-echoed with the grinding jar and clink of ghostly hammers welding link to link and morning found the world without a sound. There lay the stubborn Prairie tight bound to wait the far-off Heraclean thaw, though still in silent rage he strove to gnaw the ragged shackles knitting at his breast, and so the boatman won a winter's rest among the Mandan traders, but for Hugh, there yet remained a weary work to do across the naked country west by south. His purpose called him at the big horn's mouth three hundred miles of winging for the crow. But by the river trail that he must go, twas seven hundred winding miles at least. So now he turned his back upon the feast, snug ease, the pleasant tale, the merry mood, and took the barefoot sounding solitude northwestward. Long they watched him from the post, skied on a bluff rim, fading like a ghost at grey cock-crow, and hooded in his breath. He seemed indeed a fugitive from death on whom some tatter of the shroud still clung blank space engulfed him now the moon was young when he set forth and day by day he strode his scarce healed wounds upon him like a load and dusk by dusk his fire outflared the moon that waxed until it a spectral noon at nightfall then he came to wear a whirl with spring's wild rage the snow-born titan girl a skyey wonder on her virgin face receives the virile yellowstone's embrace and bears the lusty th- seeker for the sea a bleak horizon, wide serenity clung round the valley, where the twain lay dead. A winding sheet was on the marriage bed. 'Twas warmer now. The sky grew overcast, and as Hugh strode south-westward, all the vast grey void seemed suddenly astir with wings and multitudinary whisperings, the muffled sibilance of tumbling snow. It seemed no more might living waters flow, moon gleam, star glint dawn smoulder through birds sing wherever any fair familiar thing be so again the outworn winds were furled weird weavers of the twilight of a world wrought thread on kissing thread the web of doom grown insubstantial in the knitted gloom the bluffs loomed eerie and the scanty trees dwindled to remote dream traceries that never might be green or shield a nest all day with swinging stride, Hugh forged southwest along the yellow yellowstone's smooth paven stream, a dream shape moving in a troubled dream. And all day long the whispering weavers wove. And close on dark, he came to where a grove of cottonwoods rose tall and shadow thin against the northern bluffs. He camped therein, and with cut boughs made shelter as he might. Close pressed the blackness the snow-choked night about him and his fire of plumwood heard thwarter, a soft penumbral drowse he heard the tumbling snowflakes sighing all around till sleep transformed it to a summer sound of boyish memory susurrant bees the south-wind in the tussled apple-trees and slumber flowing from their leafy gloom he wakened to the cottonwood's deep boom black fury was the world the northwest's roar was of a surf upon a shipwreck shore plunged high above him from the sheer bluff's verge and like the backward sucking of the surge far fled the sobbing of the wild snow-spray black blindness grew white blindness and twas day all being now seemed narrowed to a span that held a sputtering wood-fire and a man beyond was tumult and a whirling maze the trees were but a roaring in a haze the sheer bluff wall that took the blizzard's charge was thunder flung along the hidden marge of chaos stridden by the ghost of light white blindness grew black blindness and was night where through nor moon nor any star might grope two days since hugh had killed an antelope and what remained sufficed the time of storm the snow banked round his shelter kept him warm and there was wood to burn many a day the third dawn oozing through a smudge of grey awoke him. it was growing colder fast still from the bluff i over boomed the blast but now it took the void with numbing wings by noon the woven mystery of things frayed raggedly and through a sudden rift at length hugh saw the beetling bluff wall lift a sturdy shoulder to the flying rack slowly the sense of distances came back as with the waning day the great wind fell pale sun set upon a frozen hill the wolves howled Hugh had left the mandan town when heifer horned the maiden moon lies down beside the sea of evening now she rose scar-faced and staring blankly on the snows while yet the twilight tarried in the west and more and more she came a tardy guest as hugh pushed onward through the frozen waste until she stole on midnight shadow-faced a haggard spectre then no more appeared was on that time the man of hoary beard paused in the early twilight, looming lone, upon a bluff rim of the yellowstone, and peered across the white stream to the south, where in the flatland, at the big horn's mouth, the new fort stood that Henry's men had built, What perfect peace for such a nest of guilt? What satisfied immunity from woe, Yon sprawling shadow, pied with candle glow and plumed with sparkling wood smoke, might have been a homestead with the children gathered in to share its bounty through the holidays you saw their faces round the gay half blaze the hale old father in a mood for yarns or boastful of the plenty of his barns fruitage of honest toil and grateful lands and half a stranger to her folded hands the mother with october in her hair and august in her face one moment there you saw it then the monstrous brutal fact wiped out the dream and goaded him to act though now to act seemed strangely like a dream descending from the bluff he crossed the stream the dry snow fithing to his eager stride reaching the fort stockade he paused to bide the passing of a whimsy was it true or was this but the fretted wraith of hugh whose flesh had fed the coyotes long ago still through a chink he saw the candle glow so like an eye that brazened out a wrong and now there came a flight of muffled song the rhythmic thudding of a booted heel that timed a squeaking fiddle to a reel how swiftly men forget the spawning earth is fat with graves and what is one man worth that fiddles should be muted at his fall he should have died and did not that was all well let the living jig it. he would turn back to the night the spacious unconcern of wilderness that never played the friend now came the song and fiddling to an end and some one laughed within the old man winced listened with bated breath and was convinced twas jamie laughing once again he heard joy filled a hush twixt heart-beats like a bird and like a famished cat his lurking hate pounced crushingly he found at the outer gate beat on it with his shoulder raised a cry no doubt twas deemed a fitful wind went by none stirred but when he did not cease to shout a door creaked open and a man came out amid the spilling candle glimmer raised the wicket in the outer gate and gazed one moment on a face as white as death because the beard was thick with frosted breath made mystic by the stars then came a gasp the clatter of the falling wicket's hasp the crunch of panic feet along the snow and someone stammered huskily and low my god i saw the old man's ghost out there twas spoken as one speaks who feels his hair prickle the scalp and then another said it seemed like henry's voice the dead are dead what talk is this lebon you saw him die who's there you strove to shout to give the lie to those within but could not fetch a sound just so he dreamed of lying underground beside the grand and hearing overhead the talk of men or was he really dead and all this but a maggot in the brain then suddenly the clatter of a chain aroused him and he saw the portal yawn and saw a bright rectangled patch of dawn as through a grave's mouth no twas candle-light poured through the open doorway on the night and those were men before him bulking black against the glow reality flashed back he strode ahead and entered at the door a falling fiddle jangled on the floor and left a deathly silence on his bench the fiddler shrank a row of eyes of blanch with terror ran about the naked hall, and there was one who huddled by the wall and hid his face and shivered. For a spell that silence clung, and then the old man, Well, is this the sort of welcome that I get? T'was not my time to feed the coyotes yet. Put on the pot, and stew a chunk of meat, and you shall see how much a ghost can eat. I've journeyed far, if what I hear be true. Now in that none might doubt the voice of Hugh, nor yet the face however it might seem a blurred reflection in a flowing stream a buzz of wonder broke the trance of dread good god the major gasped we thought you dead two men have testified they saw you die if they speak truth he answered then i lie both here and by the grand. if i be right then two lie here and shall lie from this night which are they you henry answered yon is one the old man set the trigger of his gun and gazed on jewels Who cowered by the wall, eyes blinked, expectant of the hammer's fall, ears strained, anticipative of the roar. But Hugh walked leisurely across the floor and kicked the croucher, saying, Come, get up and wag your tail. I couldn't kill a pup. Then turning round, I had a faithful friend. No doubt he too was with me to the end. Where's Jamie? Started out before the snows. Fratkinson. End of part four. Recorded by Nathan at Antipodian